It's Easter Sunday. And you are sitting at home in your pajamas. What do you think you're doing? Are you even a Christian? Sorry, I just had to take this opportunity because hopefully this current situation will never happen again. Amen? I think I almost heard that. (laughs) Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. This is the day I look forward to every year, partly because people pack the church (laughs) and they automatically come in a spirit of celebration. This is Super Bowl Sunday for the church in our culture. I mean, it's just the way it is, and I love it. I think we all do. Special day. But what about this year? Well, it's, it's not really so bad, is it? For most of us, we all know the negatives, but consider the positives. For one, we get to just relax, right? So relax with your family and experience Easter worship in a way you may never experience it again, in your home. Now we're going to sing some songs and celebrate the resurrection of Christ through God's gift of music. I hope that you and your family find a way to participate because we never ever want this to be a show. We want to help you worship God. That's really all we want to do. God is the audience. And just think, won't God be pleased if more people than ever actually celebrate the real meaning of Easter even in their homes today? I mean, we do our families no favor when we effectively teach them that religion belongs at the church and home is something else. So today, right now, take this opportunity Let your family see that God can be worshipped in your home as a family, as Connor leads us. Okay, I kind of want to do the first part again. Maybe you can dub it in. I just felt like the first two lines came off real kind of funny. All right, so here's that. Good morning. It's Easter Sunday, and you are sitting at home in your pajamas in your living room. What are you thinking? What is wrong with you? Are you even a Christian? Okay, hopefully he realizes I'm kidding right now, because hopefully this current situation will never happen again. Amen? I think I almost heard that. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. This is a day I look forward to every year because people pack the church. And hey, hey, I'm going to stop there. So hopefully you can dub in between um, uh, never happen again, amen. I think I almost heard that. And then pick it up at Happy Resurrection Day. Got that, Matt? Okay. All right. Is that, is that going to be awkward? No. You can just... I, I will listen to both, and if I think the first one's better than the second one, I'll use the first one. Okay. But so what you're saying is, I'm at your mercy. That's what you're basically. saying. Basically. <laughs> hey, so don't piss me off. <laughs> I'll make you sound like a shit monkey. 
<laughs> I can't even cut your pay. That's what I'm saying. Oh, all right. I'm going to get on to the message now. So we have the music now. Connor just did. What did you do? Living Hope. No. Uh, King of Kings. King of Kings. Of course, you saying that. All right. Happy Easter from my home to yours. I'm reaching out to you through the internet, probably appearing on some slightly pixelated screen with less than perfect audio coming through tiny wires that are putting out through a speaker system or headphones in your ears. But the spirit who lives in me is not bound by such things. The same spirit who is in me and you. <laughs> I knew if I ever tried to do a second take, I would be messed up forever. I have to pretend this is live. Oh, gosh. I knew, I knew it. Now I'm going to be always second guessing everything. This is live. This is live. We're live. We're live in three. Happy Easter, from my home to yours. I'm reaching out to you through the internet, probably appearing on some slightly pixelated screen with less than perfect audio coming through tiny little wires that are either going into speakers or into headphones in your ears. But the spirit who lives in me and you is not bound by such things. The same spirit lives in me. What am I looking at? I've got a misprint here. Oh. Wow. I'm dead. Bribes are coming. All right. I see what happened. I see what happened. When I t capitalized who, because it's the spirit, and I capitalize it, it makes it look like it's a new sentence. It's messing me up. It's not a new sentence. All right. This is it. Take three. Happy Easter from my home to yours. I'm reaching out to you through the internet, probably appearing on some slightly pixelated screen coming through audio-wise small wires that somehow get from my house to your house into your TV or your headphones or however you're listening and all kinds of restrictions on how this is happening. But it's an interesting thing that the Holy Spirit is not restricted by such things. The same Spirit lives in me who lives in you. And this is not some other being besides God, but... This is God. It's the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is God. And He's connecting His church together right now, regardless of the technology, regardless of the distance. So, in the Spirit, what can I return to you in exchange for your attention today? What can I offer you that might actually help? What if I told you that I can offer you power. 
Now, if you're new to Go Church and you don't know me as your pastor, you may be thinking right now, okay, is this about to get weird? (laughs) Well, hang in there for a minute. On this Easter Sunday, I want to talk to you about the power of Jesus Christ. Is there really power in Jesus? Is it real? Does it, does it make a real difference for the life of a believer? I mean, come on, is there really anything powerful about being a Christian? Is there anything powerful about faith in Jesus Christ? The church crowd knows the right answer. Anyone who listens to Caleb knows the right answer. How many songs tell us there is power in Jesus' name? But what if an unconvinced person were to ask you to define that power? What's the big deal, they ask? What power? You're telling me you have the power to magically affect the future or to get things to go the way you want them to? Are we talking about the power to succeed, the power to to win at sports, to influence people, to make money, to power to do well at life, power to be healthy and wealthy? And hopefully the people of Go Church would readily admit, no, no, it isn't any of that. So what is it then? Honestly, what power do you have in knowing Jesus that somebody who doesn't know him doesn't have? What is the power of Christ, really? Just before ascending into heaven, Jesus told his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. As I often share, the word witnesses here is the Greek word martus, and it simply means martyrs. You will receive power to accomplish your greatest purpose, which is to bear witness to Christ by your life and by your death. Jesus literally says that his followers will receive power to live and die in a way that causes others to believe in him. Now you just think about that for a minute in light of the fact that we are currently enduring a global pandemic. And by the way, this one may not turn out to be as bad as they thought, but with around 100,000 dead so far across the globe, it's still a pretty big deal. Beyond that, what if this was just a practice round? Now, maybe you could tell me not to panic people with that in a Facebook post, but here in the church of Jesus Christ, I should be able to be real. And what does the Bible say about the times before Jesus returns? What did the first century Christians face? What might we face tomorrow or next year? Jesus said his followers would receive power from the Holy Spirit to live and die in a way that causes others to believe in him that we will receive power to be his witnesses, literally his martyrs. That's what Jesus said. And that is exactly what those early disciples did. They died as witnesses for Jesus. Why should we be different? The church today needs this power of which Jesus spoke, the power that the early church had. We need the power to be courageous in the face of persecution of suffering and even death. We need the power that comes with faith in resurrection, the power that flows from the Holy Spirit. I need the power of God. I need the power to die to myself, 
to put my wife first, to love her as Christ loved the church. I need power to crucify my fleshly desires, which are insatiable unless starved to death. I need power to face that, the fact that this body that I'm living in is dying. It's on the way to death. It's getting worse every day. I mean, I'm sorry, Toby Keith, but I'm not even as good once as I ever was, okay? But, I mean, this thing is going downhill fast. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I need the power to stay strong and endure in a dying body. I need power to die to my pride. I need the power to live life to the fullest, to suck the marrow out of life, as Thoreau put it, to live in a way that brings glory to God and causes others to want to know the Jesus who I claim to follow. I need power, God's power, just to get through at least two or three more weeks of my wife's binge-watching Little House on the Prairie. I need power for that. I need the power of Christ for so many things. So what is this power, and where do we get it and how do we apply it? Well, let's start by understanding one thing very clearly. Get this one thing today, if nothing else. Even after I'm done, I hope you'll just go back and ponder this one thing and to discover the depths of this one truth, maybe even for the rest of your life. Listen carefully. The power of Christ is in His resurrection. Now, maybe that sounds too theological to be practical. I assure you this is the most practical truth you could ever come to understand. These words are worth remembering. The power of Christ is in His resurrection. See, if and when you truly embrace the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will become a world changer and a true man or woman of God. When you need power, go back to this truth. The power of Christ is in His resurrection. Find your hope, your strength, and your power in nothing less than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For our text today, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, and I'm going to show you not only that the power of Christ is in His resurrection, but also what that power means practically and how to apply it to your daily life. Let's read these incredible verses. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Paul writes, More than that, I count all these things, been talking about all of his, his resume, all of these things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all these things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may, be, may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." The power of Christ is in His resurrection. That being the case, we need to understand what it is that is practically powerful about the resurrection. See, I want it to matter that you were listening today. I want to show you how the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers daily power for living your life right now, today. Four truths 
taken straight out of the text we just read. And the first one is this, the power of the resurrection is in knowing the living Christ. The power of the resurrection is in knowing the living Christ. Since Jesus is alive, you can know him. And folks, actually knowing the Son of God, that's powerful. Verse 8 says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And the first part of verse 10 shows Paul's goal, that I may know him. Church, this is where it all begins. In fact, there is no good and godly power apart from knowing Christ. Read John 15 for a good lesson on what we can do without Christ as opposed to what we can do in Christ. In the context of doing powerful things with our lives, Jesus said, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Those who abide in Christ will bear much fruit. That is, they will be powerful in the truest sense of the word, meaning they will affect change. Indeed, they will be extensions of the power of Christ to do powerful things in the world. That's John 15. Listen, your connection to Jesus is your connection to power. Consider this. What if Jesus were still dead? like Buddha or Muhammad, then we could not know him. Then we could not abide in him. Then we could not walk with him spiritually. Now, now we could know about him. And there's a lot of people that know about Jesus. But if, if Jesus had not risen to live forever, we could not know him as Lord. Without a resurrected Lord and Jesus, we are indeed powerless human beings, able to do nothing other than any old other human being could do. But thankfully, Jesus is alive and he is real. He conquered death by rising from the dead. And now in him, we have life and life more abundantly than what we could have had if he were not living in us. Look back at what Paul says in verse 8. He's just mentioned all of his credentials, which, by the way, he'd thrown out the window when he took the radical step of becoming a, a Jesus follower. <clears throat> he lost it all. He really had. And he says, all of my insane amount of education, all of my respect and influence that I'd earned with a lifetime of effort, all of my wealth, which had probably been substantial as a Pharisee, and all my status among the elites of society, and all the rest of everything by which I had previously been defined, I now deem utterly worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. But why? I'll say it again. The power of Christ is in His resurrection. And the power of His resurrection is in the fact that you can know Him. Jesus lives. That means that he is still today Emmanuel, which means God with us. How much value, how, how far does this value surpass everything else that God can live in you? How powerful is it through, that through the resurrection, Christ, who is God, lives with us and in us? God is here. God is here in my heart. You and I can intimately know the only true God because Jesus lives in us. Now, that is surpassing value, and that is incredible power. 
Do you need power? Yes, you do. You need the power of God. You need His power to be the person He wants you to be. Sometimes it's true that power comes from who you know and how well you know them. Do you know Jesus? How well do you know Him? If you and I want God's power in our lives, we need to get to know Jesus better. He died on the cross, but He didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day. And the Bible says the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave, that's some power, is available to you and me. But notice I said it's available, not automatic. Choose to walk daily with the living Lord, and His resurrection power will be there when you need it most. Secondly, the power of the resurrection is in attaining the righteousness of Christ. The power of the resurrection is in attaining the righteousness of Christ. Look back at verse 9. And may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Not my own righteousness, but His, Paul says. The greatest point of application in this section is that by faith in Christ and because of the power of His resurrection, we receive His righteousness as a grace gift from God. This applies both to justification and to sanctification, meaning that in the sense of our position before God, we are already declared righteous upon our initial faith in Christ. But also, this means that as we walk by faith in life, we can actually live out the righteousness of Christ. And the reason we have the power to do that is because Jesus, who conquered death, lives in us. The power is in His resurrection. It's because He lives. In the next verse following our primary text for today, Paul writes, not that I've already obtained it, that righteousness we just read about, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid a hold of by Christ Jesus. From the context, we see Paul is talking about righteousness here in verse 12. So he's saying that even though his life doesn't always line up perfectly with the righteousness he has received by faith, he presses on so that this righteousness will become more and more visible in his daily life. The idea is that since Jesus is alive, by faith in him, you are not only made righteous in God's sight, verse 9, but you also now have the power within you through a living Lord to press on toward living out His righteousness. Basically, we're talking about the power to be and to do the goodness of God rather than to be and to do evil. In this passage, we see that the power for you to be righteous comes through your faith in His resurrection. And so, this is a good time to pause and ask, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? Now, if you do not believe Jesus rose from the dead, you do not have saving faith. You may have believed in something or somebody, but not the Jesus who has the power to save from sin and death. If you do not believe Jesus rose from the dead, judgment day is not going to be a good day for you. But if you believe Jesus did what He said He would do and rose from the dead, that means the power of His resurrection now lives in you 
as you receive the resurrected Jesus by faith, you receive his resurrection power. 2 Corinthians 4.10, Romans 8.11, other verses make it clear that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in those who believe. And according to the text we're studying today, one of the points of that awesome power is to allow you to attain the righteousness of Christ, who himself is completely righteous. What I'm saying is this, fellow Christians, stop believing the lies of the devil who wants you to live defeated if you believe in a resurrected and living Christ, then believe in his power, which lives in you, power to overcome sin and strongholds of sin. Listen, if you know that one day you will overcome death because of the power of his resurrection, then this day, through his resurrection power living in you, surely you can overcome sin. Maybe it's time that you learn to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And half the battle is understanding that you have the power to do that. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave. Third statement. The power of the resurrection is in the fellowship of suffering loss for Christ. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, we see this principle throughout the text. In verse 8, Paul says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish. In verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. How can Paul find fellowship, joyous companionship in suffering the loss of all things? How can he find fellowship with Christ in the death that he knows is coming only because of the power of the resurrection? See, if not for the resurrection, the story of Jesus would offer us no fellowship and suffering, but only despair. And if not for the resurrection, why in the world would Paul or any of us be willing to suffer loss for Christ? Why would I be willing to sacrifice anything for a dead historical figure? I wouldn't. I think Abraham Lincoln was amazing, but I have no fellowship in suffering for him or with him. Why? Because he's dead. Why wouldn't I try my best to avoid suffering in this life if there were no reward promised to those who suffer for and with Jesus? If there's no resurrection, no eternal life, there's nothing to hold on to in suffering, nothing to celebrate together, no shared hope in what is to come on the other side of our suffering. But because we do share hope, which is founded in the gospel truth that Jesus both died and was resurrected, we have fellowship even in the dying part. Even in the suffering and the dying, we have fellowship. Why? Because in the suffering and the dying, it means that we're that much closer to the resurrecting part. We're, we're going there together with Christ and with each other. There's fellowship in that. It's our destination that we share. Resurrection. Let's think about this some more because I'm not going to take it for granted that, that everyone understands that there is power in the fellowship of suffering together with Jesus. How does this work exactly? I'll start with a question. 
What was gained by the suffering of Christ? Besides forgiveness for our sins, spiritual freedom, eternal life for those who believe, what was gained like for Jesus himself? If we're thinking about going through what Jesus did, identifying him in that way, and thinking about how there's a joy in it, what was in it for Jesus himself? What did Jesus gain through suffering on the cross? The Bible actually indicates that there was a reward in the cross for Jesus. Simply read Philippians 2. Just go back from where we're at in the text a couple chapters. Read Philippians 2 if you want to see that Jesus benefited eternally through his willingness to suffer on our behalf. Jesus was rewarded for his suffering and that for eternity. And so in Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, the Father shows us that suffering in this life will actually produce for us or earn for us glory in the next. As the Bible says in another place, 2 Corinthians 4, therefore we do not lose heart. Some people need to hear that verse today. Therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Watch this, for momentary light affliction. He's using comparative. Whatever you're going through on this earth, it may seem really, really bad, but compared to what he's about to say, it's momentary light. For momentary light affliction is producing what? It's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. But you see, none of this would be true if Jesus had stayed dead. None of this would be true if you and I were to stay dead when we die. It's only because of His resurrection guaranteeing our own that our suffering, pain, and even death are to be seen as down payments toward an eternal inheritance that will far surpass our sacrifice. I'll put it like this. Resurrection turns our earthly suffering into eternal reward. Resurrection turns our earthly suffering into eternal reward. Now that's power, folks. That is a powerful thing. Great faith is required to live today for the gain of what you will receive after you die. But that is exactly what Jesus taught us to do in many of His parables. And He set the example as well. After He humbled Himself to the point of death on a cross, He was given a name that is above every other name. And now He's restored to His heavenly throne where He will reign forever. But the Bible indicates that these and other things were restored to Him because He was willing to suffer. And you see, none of this position or power or reward or whatever you want to call it would be His today if He were still dead. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. See, there's a fellowship in suffering with Christ because we know that as we follow Him in death, we will also follow Him in being resurrected. It's a together thing. As we share in His suffering, we will share in His glory. The Bible actually teaches that to the degree we share in Christ's suffering, to that degree we will share in His glory. In the kingdom of God, those who lose the most gain the most. Why? Because Jesus Christ turned death into life. The power of the resurrection is in the fact that every hardship we endure for Christ has redemption value. 
Every single thing you lay down for Jesus will be resurrected in some way. Every sacrifice you make, every moment of persecution you endure, every pain you feel in relation to following Jesus will be paid back to you many times over. And this is only because. It's only possible because by his resurrection, Jesus made a way for you to live eternally with him in a place that is all about restoration, redemption, and reward. Mercy Me has been my favorite band for many years, and one of their older songs had a line I'll never forget. You'll never know why you're alive until you know what you would die for. Are you ready to die for Jesus? Could you, like Paul, look at suffering or even dying for Christ as something strangely positive? Would you look at times of persecution and hardship as opportunities to share in the fellowship of suffering with Christ, enduring hardship for Him with a certain kind of joy because you know the end game for Him and for you is resurrection? As James, the brother of Jesus, said, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why? That sounds crazy. What could possibly be joyful or feel like fellowship with Jesus when someone is mean and hurtful to me? Or when someone slanders me, or worse, when I'm thrown into prison or even executed for my faith, as many around the world still are today? How could there be joy or fellowship in that? I will tell you this. Your ability to see suffering as an opportunity for fellowship with Jesus or to consider everything you lose for Him to be as rubbish, as Paul put it, will be proportional to your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It'll be proportional to your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me say it again. Your positive perspective on earthly suffering will be proportional to your faith in resurrection. You can be positive about suffering in this life if you're positive that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees your own. Do you really believe Jesus rose from the dead? Do you really believe you will have eternal life in paradise with Him? The power of Christ is in His resurrection because in His resurrection, even the worst and hardest parts of your life are swallowed up in His eternal victory over death. Well, that brings us to the final and most important point. The power of the resurrection is in losing your fear of death. The power of the resurrection is in losing your fear of death. Again, Paul writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The power of the resurrection means that by faith in Christ, you and I are now immortal. We are immortal. I've said this for many years, but for some reason I don't hear other preachers saying it. I noticed Chris picked it up when he filled in for me a few months ago and preached for me, which I greatly appreciate, and he did an awesome job. And I, I noticed he, he, used it, he used it as well. But I've honestly not heard anyone else ever say this. 
I suppose it sounds radical. You know, I mean, it's like our, we're some kind of superheroes or something. Yeah, it's power. <laughs> it sounds radical to say we're immortal. But I, I, I'm telling you, it's true. You see, even our bodies, even our bodies will be resurrected, perfected, yet somehow recognizable as is Jesus. We are immortal because of resurrection. What on earth are we afraid of? Fellow Christian, do you really believe that you are going to live forever? Or is it just some wishful thought from an 80s song? Ask yourself, do I really believe that I'm going to live again after I die? Let's get real. Do you really believe it? What if you could actually lose your fear of death? See, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that his followers can and should be fearless in the face of death. What am I saying? I'm saying that if I receive a positive diagnosis in the current pandemic, and even if I have it so bad that I find myself on a ventilator in ICU, I still should not be afraid. I have the power to be fearless in the face of death because of the resurrection of Christ, which is also now promised to me. Now, God forbid, if someone held a gun to my head, I would have certain feelings, right? There's something called fight or flight syndrome, which is an involuntary response involving a massive release of adrenaline, and that's one thing. You know, there's something to be said for not wanting to die. I don't want to die, but I should not be afraid to die. Look at the early disciples. Did they fear death? I honestly do not believe they did. I do not believe Paul or Peter or Stephen or James or others who were killed for their faith feared death. Quite honestly, they did not even fight to hang on to this life. They almost seemed relieved to let it go. Now, John the Baptist seemed maybe a little bit afraid of death, if you know the story. But remember, that was before Jesus had risen again. And I think that's very interesting. What's the difference? Well, the other martyrs had seen Jesus walk out of the tomb. And that changed completely and forever their view of death. The same man who had told them they would live forever with him had risen again, and they had watched him ascend into heaven physically. They believed. They really believed in resurrection. And that gave them power. For example, read the story of Stephen who was stoned to death after preaching Christ. You'll find no fear in him. He was fearless. And fearlessness in the face of suffering and death is all we ever see in the early disciples. Why were they fearless? Because they had witnessed the resurrected Christ. That they knew him. And they believed the power of the resurrection of Christ is in losing your fear of death. So what's our problem? We're afraid to walk across the street and share the gospel with our neighbor. Many believers are too afraid to pray in public. Many are afraid to wear a shirt that has the name of Jesus on it. 
Some are afraid to show emotions. We're afraid to, to be loving to our brothers and sisters. Some are afraid even to show love to their families. And make no mistake, most of us are absolutely afraid of death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He's saying after the resurrection, they're never going to die again. He then asked if the person listening believed what he said. Why did he ask if she believed what he had said? Because that's where the power is applied to us personally. Through belief, through faith. And Jesus wanted his followers to have the power. Do you believe what Jesus said? That everyone who believes in him will be resurrected to eternal life even after dying? If so, what is there to fear? You're immortal. Why are you afraid? Over the last few days, I think most people are starting to calm down about the current pandemic, at least a little bit. It would seem that it may not turn out as bad as they thought. But then again, if there's one thing most of us are probably noticing, it is the fallibility of human reasoning and even, dare I say it, science. They just don't always get it right, do they? And so, what if they're wrong again? What if the virus mutates? Or what if the next one follows right on the heels of this one? Let's face it, our world could fall apart tomorrow. If you don't know that right now, I mean... We assume the status quo will go on forever, but the truth is that earthly things can fall apart any given day. Maybe we dodged a bullet this time here in Clark County. I guess we'll see. One of the things that I've started to understand is that many people don't see the world as I do. I, I have to be careful what I say, for instance, on Facebook because I can freak people out. They don't, they don't think like I do, particularly about death. Friends, I freak out my own family sometimes on this subject. And again, I don't hate my life or want to die. But I do spend a lot of time making sure that I am ready. And I guess that leads me to say things that can make other people uncomfortable. The truth is that most people really are afraid of dying. They are afraid of loss. They're afraid of death. My question is this, what if something changed on the inside of you? Until even during a global pandemic, and even if it came to your house, you simply were not afraid. Is that even possible? I believe it is possible. I believe the early disciples of Jesus had this kind of faith. What if you could have this kind of faith? What if you did not fear death? How much would that change your life? There is incredible power in believing that the resurrection of Christ guarantees your own resurrection. I say again, the power of Christ is nothing short of immortality. We must return to this kind of faith if we want to see revival and ultimately awakening in our land. We need the power Jesus talked about from the Holy Spirit, the power to be His witnesses even if it costs us our lives. 
And today I'm telling you the power is in the resurrection applied through belief. If you want to live in the power of Christ, learn to live by faith specifically in His resurrection and what that means for you personally. If you are ready to face a global pandemic or a firing squad without fear, I think you'll be ready to face the taunts of an antagonist online or those who oppose you at school or at work. In fact, if you're not afraid of death, what is there to fear? The power of Christ is in His resurrection. I hope you never forget that because whether it is in facing a global pandemic or facing a wayward child or facing the depression of your spouse or even if you hear the dreaded words, you have the virus. There is nothing on earth that will empower you like your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll close by quoting one more passage. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Things like viruses and other things that happen in our lives make us aware that there's coming a point where what we've done about this question, whether I believe in the resurrection of Christ, is going to matter for eternity. Don't let another Easter go by without answering this question. Seek the Lord. Let Him reveal the truth to you that Jesus really did rise from the grave, that Jesus can come through on His promises to offer eternal life to those who are His. I just want to give you a moment, an opportunity, if you've never done that, to do that. I know that we're in our living rooms or we're maybe in a car somewhere or wherever you are. I don't know who you're with, but I guarantee you Whoever that person is and whatever they believe, they surely will allow you a moment to do business with God. So just forget about all that. And I, that's why I ask for people to bow and, and just to be in prayer because that way you can just let it be what God wants to say to you right now and not worry about anybody else. Would you just hear him saying, if you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You know who Jesus is. You know, he you know he died on a cross. You maybe even understand that he, he died for your sin. Today, what about his resurrection? Do you believe Jesus conquered death? That he walked out of that tomb. 
Will you believe today? Will you put your trust in the fact that He said, will you believe His promise? That in, in fa by faith in Him, he, He's making a place for you to live forever? When He said, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, when He said, I'm the resurrection, He who believes in Me, though He dies, will live again forever? Have you believed that promise? Would you believe it today? Would you say yes today? It's a mustard seed of faith. It's all that's re required. Would you say yes today? Would you just tell Jesus, I believe your promise? I believe you rose again. Could they, today be the day of salvation for you? The day that you know that nothing was ever the same after that? Just tell him. Say yes. God, I pray for those who have put their faith and trust in, 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 the, in the reality, in the, in the work, in the identity and work of Christ today is what we're really talking about. That, that is all can be boiled down to the fact that he rose again. Only God could do that. And I pray for those who maybe put their trust for the first time or understood well enough to do so today that they would understand that you love them, that you have a plan for them, that now their, their life has a purpose and a meaning, a big part of which is to bear witness so that others can spend eternity resurrected with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just one last thing, I just want to tell you, when do you get that opportunity to confess with your mouth, as it says? I believe it's baptism, and you could do it right now. I mean, you can tell people you're with, and that would be great, and I wish you'd let us know. But the ultimate opportunity to stand up and be counted, the, the sort of ceremonial moment where you can say, yes, I believe that Jesus died and rose again, that happens at baptism. That's our profession of faith. That's an outward sign of the inward decision you just made. So I hope you'll let us know if you would like to have that moment. It could be one of the greatest moments of your life. But regardless, confess with your mouth. You believed in your heart. Maybe you just prayed with me. Have you confessed with your mouth? Make sure you do. Let us know. Let Pastor Tully know or, pa or myself. You can do it in the comments. You could do it in a message so that we can help you know about next steps. It's Easter. It's a wonderful day. It's spend the day basking in the knowledge that Jesus rose again and because he did, you can have faith that you too will be resurrected and live with him forever. I love you guys. I hate it that we couldn't meet today, but I love you. And I'm looking forward to an Easter celebration to come whenever we can gather again. Regardless, we get together forever, right, <laughs> with him. Thanks for listening. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.